Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. You know, any night that you and I record is a night that, and I say this in a positive way, that I tend to have coffee in the evening. Because what can be more... Yeah. stimulating to our discussion than adding coffee on top of what our audit and, and I say this half joking yeah. half what are what are always stimulating discussions. I've got I've got a flask of tea right now. Okay. Right that I've been nursing still warm. Uh no, I agree. It's I often come downstairs to record with you with as Sheldon would say, a hot beverage, but with with coffee or tea because you know we're gonna get into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I to be honest with you, I, the discussions are always relaxing. And coffee just does that for me. And I've never been, a, I've never been one that will drink coffee, not be able to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the topic we're going to, we're going to breach this week, and I'm going to push, I'm going to send it over because you have some good insight on this is um, really focused around conflict resolution. And I want yeah. those of us who aren't in the realm of research or anything like that, to take this seriously, and mostly because coming from a business environment, um, anywhere, and you'll hear, you're going to hear this, mm-hmm. conflict exists everywhere. Everywhere. It isn't just, it isn't just you arguing with a spouse or you arguing with a child. That's a, that's a, uh, I hate to say it, a very limited and, and narrow view of what conflict is. Right. Um, you know, we all deal with it. I know you've dealt with it in academia and dealing with business. I know I've dealt with it in business. Um, I, you know, from my perspective, conflict can breed innovation. Conflict can breed growth, but it also can hinder both. Yep. It, 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 and it can't be avoided. It can, right. As we'll talk about in a few minutes, it can be managed perhaps, but it can't be avoided because we're human. Yeah. So um, I know this is, something that we've talked about before mm-hmm. um we're gonna have i think officially at this point we're gonna have friend of the show uh dr aaron peterson is coming back yep yep aaron aaron i appreciate you joining again when you join us here shortly i can't believe that you know jason and yet still want to uh take part in something outside of regular business hours well again conflict and judgment not the same Okay, good point. Yes, right, good he's point. an expert in one of those. Yeah, apparently not the other. <laughs> no, no. But but seriously, um, uh, so a little backstory, everybody. Uh, Brad and I have had conflict uh, and conflict resolution on the radar for this podcast for quite some time. I mean, right? I mean, for quite some oh, yeah. time, and um, we'd. We'd been working on this in terms of our plans, our schedule for just months and months and months. Uh, a little backstory. So in December, very late in December, a really cool book came out. Um, now, I'm a little biased, and I'll explain that in brief in a moment. But uh, the book is entitled Star Wars and Conflict Resolution. There are alternatives to fighting. It is edited by the conflict resolution scholars Noam Ebner and Jen Reynolds, both lovely people, truly lovely people, uh, both uh, either in or exploring the wide world of RPGs, which is great, and both true scholars, noted scholars 
in their field and in, in their fields because they do have somewhat different backgrounds. And uh, Noam and Jen have edited this volume uh, with with um, authors, scholars. Um, I was going to say all over the country, but it's actually fair, somewhat global as well. Um, writing on conflict resolution uh through the lens of star wars and the goal as they've explained to us has been they want to introduce the research and practice informed research on conflict resolution to a much broader general audience so anyone can pick up this book and read it and have fun if you're interested in conflict and or star wars honestly this is the book for you. It's intentionally written that way. And, uh, and real props to Noam for this. Uh, they sought out publishers who would publish, print, and sell the book affordably. So, uh, and I really respect that. I really do. Uh, so if you follow the link uh, to Amazon in the show notes, you'll see this is a surprisingly affordable book. It's also got a beautiful cover. And it's also got some really interesting chapters. Now, full disclosure, <laughs> a couple <laughs> weeks ago at least, uh, <laughs> I I had a Jar Jar moment. Uh, Misa made a muy muy mistake. Uh, we had Noam and Jen and Aaron, Dr. Aaron Peterson, on the podcast for of like it was almost a full hour of interview and discussion and it was one of the headiest most interesting most dynamic interviews we've ever had in what like close to two years would you agree with that brad absolutely yes everyone had a great time i and i think i can say that for for uh, Noam and Jen, I, I, everyone had a great time. I know Brad, you and I kind of left on a high from that one. Speaking mm -hmm. of the coffee and tea, hung up, downloaded the recordings. At which point, I promptly, irrevocably erased everything. I wish I had the the prices right. The sound. At yes. Point. Yeah. I, Noam and Jen, one more time. I'm sorry. Uh, they have been exceptionally graceful, and they will be back. You will hear from from Professor Jen Reynolds and Professor Noam Ebner in the future, guaranteed. There's more to talk about. For example, they've just put out the call for chapters for episode two, as they call it, the second volume in, in this work. Um, Aaron, friend of the podcast, personal and professional friend of mine, Aaron wrote a chapter for the book. F full disclosure, we wrote it together, but getting that out of the way, um, he's taught me much of what I know about conflict resolution. And had I not jar jarred our interview, uh, you would have heard a, a, a thoughtful discussion on the importance and the potential beauty of reframing it as conflict engagement because it goes back to what you said brad conflict is inevitable mm -hmm. and as aaron has taught me these past couple of years conflict typically or at least often arises from competing needs between the two or more parties or at least perceptions of competing needs between the parties and it's not something necessarily to resolve 
as to engage with? I'm the I'm the type of person that um, is fascinated by discussions and research into conflict engagement. I'm going to use that because that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, Star Wars was a was was icing on the cake for me. Oh yeah. Um, you know, but me coming from a business environment where I've sat in cabinet level positions yep. and such. Yep. Um, I have seen firsthand business only the idea of how, you know, conflict engagement properly done. And that's a, I'm yep. amazing. Yep. I'm with you. Um, can really drive the positive. I can also yes. tell you recently that conflict engagement, uh, done poorly does not foster innovation and positive yeah. outcomes. Yeah. So I think whether you are, and, and I, I ask folks, if this is something where you're kind of like, wow, okay, I, this seems a little out there. No, mm -mm. think about it this way. Conflict exists everywhere. It ex mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Just think about the term conflict. You go to Twitter, you see conflict, you know, I, I will say on a very microscopic level, um, Jason and I have known each other 30 years. We've mm -hmm. never had a real fight. We've had differences of opinion that have created debate yeah. conflict. I mean, you've been wrong a lot of times. Oh, of course, not as many as you, but yeah, absolutely. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But point being is, is that is that whether you're at the table, whether you're in your office, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, whether you are sitting in a position of leadership politically, whatever the case is, yep. um, you know embrace the idea that you can't avoid it and it's no different at the tabletop role-playing game well, that's what i was gonna say yep. yes and getting gonna... down to the getting down to the microscopic level yeah yeah use that conflict you can have a conflict between the gm yep. and pcs you can have conflict between pcs or between the people playing pcs that's right you could you could have the GM generating conflict between an NPC and a PC. There's all sorts of different. As as any writer of fiction knows, of which neither of us are, no. but conflict makes for good storytelling. Yeah. And, and I like how you put it, too, to paraphrase what you said a moment ago, Brad. Conflict has the potential, when managed well, and it's often not, to make for innovation. Mm -hmm. to make for progress, to make for growth. We'll have more to say about this when we get to our analysis and maybe even the GM corner after we speak with Aaron. But what do you say we walk over and talk with Aaron? Let's go see that if Aaron actually is willing to join us for this episode after having it. Dr. Aaron Peterson is an active researcher and most recently was an assistant professor of educational leadership, as well as higher education and student affairs leadership at Minnesota State University Moorhead. His research explores conflict engagement, best practices for higher education leaders, students, and the private sector. Aaron, as always, I think this is, what is it, your third time? Or fourth time? I think and it's the fourth. I think it's the fourth. I, think I was so, wondering when I get to be on the the five timers club here, but well, I don't think I'm quite there yet. Because so. well, we point, have to. We owe we owe Jim Johnson from Modiphius the smoking jacket, so well, you'll get when you'll he get comes smoking back. jacket number two. Well, no, when so, he comes back, because they're going to be neck and neck. I don't know who's going to be on here a fifth time, isn't? Because Jim's been on four times as well. 
Yeah, he has. Yeah. Yes, so has. it's getting well, regardless, yeah. I, I, I am fascinated by this topic, not because I, you, you are a professor of leadership and you have written on and have studied conflict um, engagement. That's the best. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure because we've talked about this. That's yeah. the best term versus conflict management. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to ask you about that. But first, if you don't mind, because I don't think I've ever asked you personally off record about this, is that what drew you into this as a field of interest and study? Yeah, so I um, was fortunate enough um, when I was working for a different college, there was an opportunity um, to get my master's degree. And there was a few different institutions that we could choose from where there was um, there was a scholarship involved. So that, I mean, let's, let's be real, that that has a big impact when you can get some help in that area. Um, but one of the institutions, and I'll call out to my alma mater, was, uh, was Creighton University and part of their school of law. And I just want to be clear about that. It's not a law degree, but, I, but they had a master's degree in negotiation and dispute resolution. And I knew I wanted to get a master's in something, um, but I didn't want to go like the MBA no offense to anybody that has the MBA. But, hey, but I, hey, 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 I'm kidding. No, I'm no, kidding. No, We've no. talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I just wanted something different uh, or something a little bit different. But what really spoke to me about it is when I looked at the, the curriculum in there, I realized quickly that one, this is really interesting. I don't think that there's enough people. I mean, as I come to find out that we all experience conflict in, in every facet of our lives. And we don't necessarily have the tools to navigate it effectively. And I found it, well, I could, I could put this to use in any facet of industry that I choose to go into. Um, and so I saw it to be a really marketable uh, credential that I could potentially give myself. And so that is kind of how the journey began is, is having a chance to study at Creighton. So did you, um, and obviously to segue forward, you and Jason had a professional connection, as if I remember correctly. You're you were a student before you became a colleague and started writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, that is correct. Okay. I, I I essentially the after the first night of class, I this was going to happen way down the road, but I, I begged him to be my advisor um, of all the faculty members in the department because I I found that I was the only person uh, during his during his uh, lecture that night when he would show his various slides of Jean-Luc Picard or Indiana Jones and he'd tell a joke associated with it. I looked around and I realized I was the only one like laughing Savage a lot. Maybe, maybe that should have been telling me something from the get-go, but then it I realized, no, this, this, yeah. I have a connection with this guy. And so fortunately he said, yes. Um, I mean, so. I, he asked me after we watched him eat, how many burgers was it? I think it was five cheeseburgers and I, one chicken. Sandwich. Where was this? Was this like a, was this like at a, at a back no? This was cheese. this was on break during class. I would bring that like in before class, so repeatedly. Were they like McDonald's double cheeseburgers, or yeah. were they Burger King? Yeah. Wow, I look at a cheeseburger and I gain weight. That's right. just crazy. Right. But I'm digressing. Point. So ultimately, though, I'm holding I'm holding this book in front of me because selfishly. Um, you know, working in the tech field, um, you know, not that it's any different anywhere else. I just have visibility into that realm. Mm -hmm. Conflict is 
is in the DNA of the tech world business. It is. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that a vast majority of us have no idea how to engage with it and right. handle it in a productive way. So you both ended up with the, the book. We've talked about this before, but um, Noam Abner and Jen Reynolds mm -hmm. edited the book Star Wars and Conflict Resolution. There mm -hmm. are alternatives to fighting. Mm -hmm. I wish my yeah. wife would do that. And chapter <laughs> 14 is Curse My Metal Body. How empathy shaped a protocol droid's journey, and yeah. and you both were involved with writing that. Mm -hmm. I think Aaron, you led on writing that, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly, mm -hmm. right? How did you yeah. How did you come up with? Because Jason's not important. I'm more interested in hearing your opinion. Well, how did you come up with that as a as an idea or thought in the context stars? Well, so when um so so truth be told, Noam Ebner, um. I, I knew him because he was one of my professors at Creighton and, um, and uh, uh, I had through the privilege of working on this project, I got to meet Jen, uh, um, who's a, just a fantastic professor at uh, the university of Oregon. And um, I, I knew that when they were asking for proposals, Noam had approached me and, and asked if I would be interested. I was like, be interested. Um, to write about Star Wars and also conflict. I mean, and, and to have a chance to work with you again, um, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. But I, when I started to think about it, I've always kind of had an affinity for the, the character of C three PO um, because uh, he is. I mean, uh, forget about forget about you know the, uh, the the countless amounts of books and expanded universe and all these other things, but he's present in every single one of the actual movies from canon. Um, and, um, and, and what I think, so he's not just a, an outlier character, but in some ways he's not one of the, the main characters. And so I just found his function of what he was supposed to be as a protocol droid. I had started to think, I wonder if we can do something with this because 3PO, whether he likes it or not throughout the, the various movies, he finds himself in a lot of different conflict situations and, despite his programming that was kind of the initial I, I wonder if we can do if i can if i can conjure up something that would be in the context of what this book is supposed to be about with all these other types of topics and things and then i asked jason um i said this is kind of what i'm thinking would you want to would you want to be with me on this um yep because because i knew well, that. anything anything droid related I, and i this is not this is not jason jason loves i mean most of, a lot of our role playing in the wars universe has been droid related so i could see that yeah and and i just but i just knew that um through some of the initiatives and projects that jason and i had started to work on yeah. this was kind of one where i could that i could bring to him because he had, he's had some really great ideas but it was like i knew that it would be infinitely better if if um I would have his assistance on it, which did way more than assist. So it, it was a lot of fun. It was, I mean, like you said, when do you get to write? I mean, granted, like the books we're working on, we're geeking out pretty hard, but like, when do you get to write about Star Wars through an academic lens about something really, I'll just say for me, it was really fun because I was coming at this as the newbie, right? Aaron is, is an expert in conflict engagement. And, and what I tried to bring was limited to, okay, as a counseling psychologist, I look at stuff right through that clinical lens. Um, and I mean, I don't know what it was like for you, but like, 
I found it meshed well in terms of my thinking. Like I would listen to Aaron talk about navigating conflict. And it's like, you know, there are a lot of similarities between therapy and this, and especially with our focus on empathy. Yep. And that's where you would lend your expertise in that area. And I think that that's, that's what I was looking for. I knew that it would round out to make the chapter um, just that much more complete. So, and I know we've, we, you know, we've, I've, I've actually, we actually spin the tables and had Jason sit with you and I did the interview. We talked about leadership and I know I have to be careful when it comes to talking about conflict because it could go from being a podcast to a counseling session with you as a counselor about how I deal with conflict in the business world. Um, but if you don't mind, and this is a really broad question, so I don't even know if this is the best way to answer it. What do you think from a professional perspective, um, the biggest or a big misconception is related to dealing with conflict in whether it's the workplace? Oh, it, you know, I think that's where I've been kind of focusing mostly. You know, even though we know conflict exists everywhere in the personal relationships, you know, and conflict doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? I know you've kind of said that in a prior discussion that conflict doesn't yep. have to be bad. Maybe I'm paraphrasing. I apologize if I didn't say that right. No, it's okay. You're, you're on. I think to answer the question, or at least to start that discussion there, Brad, um, I think that too often, particularly in the, the, the business arena, and in other facets too, is that whether it's supervisors, managers, even just coworkers, there's either the impetus to completely avoid conflict and not deal with it or act like it doesn't exist. But then there's also the other way of thinking that um, conflict needs to be resolved, like ram through, or it's something that can be can just be managed and can be can be controlled if you will um and so that's almost in some ways it's almost like it it still doesn't exist because we can almost just kind of manage it away in a sense and so i think that sometimes even though it's simplistic to think well conflict is all around us i think the approach that there's there's too much of a one size fit fits all i think in the business sense of of how we we think that we can deal with it um and uh and just kind of um hopefully then just get get past it and move on to the next thing as if, as if we've fully dealt with the situation. So there's even a, a chapter in the book uh, targeted at stoking conflict at, at, at generating more of it for the betterment of the organization. Yeah. yeah and that seems kind of, um, and this is something that goes back to my study at Creighton too, but it's that that's a very counterintuitive idea. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's something that most people would look at you kind of side-eyed and would kind of shy away from in the sense that um, why would you want to encourage more conflict? But we find, though, in in going through the process of, and like, like if, if we get into this more too, but this idea of engaging in the process of being in conflict, um, we find that by doing that and to fully put ourselves in the moment with the other party, with the other person, looking at it from a holistic viewpoint, um, keeping the conflict going, a lot of times you'll find that you can uncover interests, both from yourself maybe, and maybe from the other person that you didn't necessarily know existed. And so once you can hopefully reach a resolution, it's actually a more complete resolution. It's not just surface level issues that you're dealing with. And so 
the idea of staying in conflict can help to achieve those types of results. It's funny because because jokes aside, I mean, Jace, we traditionally people, uh, you know, I as a I just say end user because I work in the tech. as an end user who hasn't studied this. When I think of conflict, I think of you know mono on mono. I'm arguing with something. And that's an overly simplistic. But on the flip side, you know, Jason, our friendship over 30 years was bred on the fact that we would purposefully sit down knowing that we had differences of opinion on things yep. Yep. and would talk through them knowing that we weren't going to change each other's mind, but learning to understand different exactly. perspectives. I, I, sorry, keep going. I want to respond to that. Keep going. No, no, no. That's what oh, I was going to say. I, yeah. I, and, you know, it's funny you bring that up, Brad, because I was thinking as you were talking, Aaron, I, I was thinking very much the same line, but but not about us, but of how intolerant American society has become in recent years toward debate. That, um, that it is in this age where everything seems or so much seems to go down, go back either to identity politics and mm -hmm. or vitriol there's there's no room for disagreement and i i think that's a real loss i i remember uh teaching a class um three ish years ago it might be more like four years ago now and uh and this was this was long after you 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 and, and your cohort were out here and, and i remember i was teaching something um and i think it was a research methods class and one of the students challenged me of, well, you know, that's not what some of the other professors have said. And, and a bunch of head nods. And, uh, you know, my response was something like, um, I'm sure that's true. I happen to think they're wrong, but, but yeah. that's great. And then the pushback was, why are we in a, i mean there was a lot of entitlement going on here to be blunt but why are we in a program if the faculty can't even agree to which i responded why would anyone want to be studying at this level in a program where all of your faculty agreed with one another what would you possibly have to learn from us that would mean that debate and discussion were dead but my point is that fell on deaf ears and I think yeah. it's even worse now, right? To your point, Brad, to, to your point. Yeah, it's, 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 there's no tolerance for ambiguity. There's no tolerance for, honestly, it seems like sometimes just honesty. You know, like Aaron, one thing you've taught me over these past years is, is in conflict often boils down to competing unrecognized needs among mm -hmm. the parties. Well, I mean, if you can't if you can't talk, if you can't debate, you're you're not going to get there unless you have a heck of a mediator. Well, and going back to Star Wars, it's kind of the idea of, as Obi Wan said, Mustafar, only a Sith deals in absolutes, meaning that if you're not this, then you have to be that. Is kind of the mindset that when when that isn't necessarily so black and white, you know. I mean, he did use the term only, but we're going to give it to him. Didn't didn't what yeah. is Anakin say? If you're not with me, you're my enemy. Mm -hmm. After he became, before right. he became scarred Vader, he right. Was... And that that sand is exceedingly uncomfortable between one's toes. Yes, and it gets everywhere. Right, so. it's just ridiculous. Talk about conflict. 
No, I find, I just find you, you both talking about this, just um, watching, not necessarily in my own positions, but just watching business, watching politics, watching anything. Goodness, go back and to earlier in the week when you watch, regardless of your political persuasion, I don't think anyone would disagree that there was a, uh, let's just be honest, a change in decorum in the State of the Union. Yeah, we should say as we're recording this, it's yeah. shortly after President Biden's recent State of the yeah. Union address. And again, yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to pick sides. It's just I think it's if you go back and look at prior State of the Unions, there is a change in decorum. And I yeah. would argue that the change yeah. in decorum is for the worse. There was you you'll get some you'll get some booze a little bit here and there, but if you even go back, heckles, you know, yeah, yeah, but but very rare. And and the worst that would happen would be half of the half of the house would stand and clap, the other half yeah. wouldn't, based off of who was in the You know, I, I think it's the Times this morning had an article on this kind of analyzing this interviewing faculty who like are in poli sci and international affairs, you know, who know much more than than I do, and. And they were asking about this, asking these these faculty, these these researchers to to weigh in. And um, what stood out to me was someone who does a lot of work around um, the British Parliament had mm. had this to say. And this really, because if you've ever you guys have seen like like clips of oh. the British Parliament, right? I mean, talk about heckling, like like oh. at the at the first like it's like whoa, there's no decorum here. I mean, they they boo, but. But, Unless they they'll say the right honorable so and so yes and then right. completely trash them well you know? yeah. but but not quite this is what got me uh, they'll disagree with policy and they'll do so vehemently and uh, with a lot of you know figurative ribs to the uh, kicks to the ribs but this professor was asked about this or was asked about the situation in general for the state of the union and she's like okay look at the British Parliament there's a lot of heckling there's a lot of whatever but. You would never hear a member of parliament make a personal attack on any other member of parliament and yeah. certainly not the prime minister. And she went on to say, or she's quoted as going on to say that, that if, if the prime minister or in fact anyone else had been called a liar on the floor of the parliament, the speaker uh, uh, whatever it's called, the Speaker of the Parliament, I, I don't remember what the term is, but the, the Speaker would immediately stop the proceeding. The accuser who crossed the line would then have the option in the moment to apologize. And if they didn't apologize, they would be escorted out. Mm. And she was like, that's simply what happens. This would never fly there, even though they get so much deeper into it because they don't have all the Roberts Rules of Order. And it just, mm -hmm. it just got me thinking. I mean, to your point, Brad, right? I mean, talk about, talk about different ways of handling and, and not handling conflict. I, I asked, I'm asking some of, you know, that brings me to a question, Aaron. I'm not trying to complicate it because I'm really tossing broad questions here. But I'm thinking someone who watches something like that, or someone who watches a politics show on any of the news networks um, where you see headbutting opinions, you know, I'm just, or sitting in a meeting at the office and seeing, you know, sales and marketing going at each other or support and development going at each other. I could just see this from my own lens. Um, 
you come out frustrated. If you were given, this is an odd one, if you were given 60 minutes in a room, if I were to say, okay, I'm a director of services, come in for 60 minutes and talk about conflict. If you wanted to get one or two points across, what do you think oh, you'd go after? I've seen Aaron do this before. I've seen oh, him really? present on this. Oh, okay. Uh, That's cool. I think, um, you know, for because, I, I mean, I, I had the opportunity to take, you know, to, to study courses that dealt with online dispute resolution and, you know, fundamentals of conflict and arbitration and all these different things. Um, but I think in that time frame, I think the basic thing that I would want to have people come away with at least, you know, a couple of things. And also I think a chance to ha have time to ask questions too, I think, but is just some really fundamental um, key pieces. And I think that what I would probably focus on is, um, you know, possibly using like some sort of model that, that people can use it, that they can maybe refer back to and think about later. But but I think it would just be the idea of um, learning how to approach conflict in getting the mindset of, of approaching it in a different way of thinking that, you know, getting away from the concept that conflict is, is scary and that it can't be dealt with, at least addressing that. Because some people are extremely conflict averse. And so not not being um, insensitive to that, that because you're not going to change that in an hour, but at least starting to acknowledge the fact that if you're inundated in conflict that you can go through the process and i think then the other part of it would be spent on kind of maybe encouraging people to um you know look beyond the idea of just um trying to get to a resolution but but to be okay in thinking about being in conflict and discovering more about yourself and also the other person that you're in conflict with, because very, very seldom are you truly in conflict with people. It's it's really about this idea of, you know, separating the, the person from the problem and how can combine, how can you work together to tackle said problem as opposed to being directly opposed of each other? Because that, that usually just masks things that are actually going on. So... And I say this, I say this not because you and I have never met in person. I've met you through Zoom. Um, unfortunately. That, well, for, yeah, fortunately for you, maybe. Um, but I think that is something that would be profound for many folks sitting in the boardroom, sitting in a training room, whatever the case is. The other question I have, I, I'm tailoring this to... to Hopefully anybody out there who's listening to this can see this, that this, this type of discussion will work well, whether you're business, whether it's interpersonal conflicts and correct me, Aaron, I don't want to speak for this because this is not my area. It can, it can deal with stuff you're dealing with at the table. Jason and I, you were talking about this, you know, creating conflict at the table um, to further the goals of the game or the, or the, the yep. I, I, I really like how, how the approach Aaron you take and and I get that, that you know that and the, that the whole really the field sometimes takes is that conflict creates an opportunity right it creates yeah. opportunities for individual growth it creates opportunities especially for organizational growth and development and you know it's 
it's hard because on its face i don't mean to cut but it, no, no, it yeah. does it's so counterintuitive to what people would initially think though that kind of you know, i think because we're taught the opposite i mean i wasn't taught right my my background d debate and disagreement just talking is very normative but like especially the two of us living here in minnesota I, I mean, it is, it's not a cliche, it, it, especially here. And part of it's just the Midwest. It's so exceptionally conflict averse, but it's hard for me to step beyond my lens. I think you look through the lens of science and this sounds very much like discussions around just ambiguity, discussions around ignorance of your, your you know, you're mired in a morass of confusion. Okay, that's great there's a fair chance you're going to get out of it. You're going to learn along the way, but it's going to be difficult. I mean, that's, that's literally the nature of discovery. And so if anything, I think, you know, with the conflict engagement, this is an opportunity for discovery that moves an organization forward. That's your, your, again, a little question here, but you brought up something about being, Aaron, you mentioned initially being conflict averse. Um, you know, there are people and there are, you know, I can I can look back at people I've worked with, worked for, who I've worked for, um, or even myself at certain points in my career where I've been conflict diverse. How do you, you know, again, you know, I don't even know if there's really an easy answer for this. How do you deal with that type of situation where you have conflict in an environment where people are adverse to it or are struggling to accept it? You know, whether they withdraw, um, disengage, whether they you know, a lot of people, if they feel like they're in a corner, they come out like a, you know, like a rabid dog, I guess would be the, the business term. I mean, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's, it's, um, and that, I mean, that's, that's why there's a whole field around this here. Cause it's, it's, yeah, you do have people that are just more, they tend to avoid conflict. You have people that tend to be very, very competitive, uh, when they're in conflict and, um, and, and that is something that we could always get into in, in, in another segment, but I mean, that really deals with, um, I did some work with this, uh, looking at deans for my dissertation of looking at the different conflict styles of how deans interact with their faculty and, and based on, um, there's a few models out there that, um, utilize this, but I mean, there's, there's, um, you ha you have different matrices basically where people tend to fall as far as how they approach conflict. And so you, you might have, people that tend to be more avoiders or more competitive or more compromising or more collaborative or more, um, I'm, I'm forgive it. Um, what's, what's the, um, more accommodating as far as, you know, kind of letting the other person have their way, even at the expense of themselves types of thing, you know? So, so that's, that, that's a whole nother area that could be a, a its own module as far as, people understanding and maybe that would be the second module if I had a second hour of these people okay well, let's let's dig into maybe understanding more of what your particular style is and why it is and also how you can kind of bridge the gap and work with somebody that maybe is a direct opposite of you as far as things to look for because yeah you have to you have to understand what that person is like and how they're naturally wired in some ways um but also understand that if people are truly um committed to the process of, of wanting to figure out solutions, then that's kind of going back to what Jason, that's where that discovery comes from, even about yourself, as far as um, uh, things that we can always work on as far as, um, um, you know, how to improve in these areas. But I think a lot of it comes down to just being very intentional and focusing on 
something is it seems simplistic, but it it probably no secret to you how it harkens back to leadership. And for Jason and I, with our book that we have, this this piece of communication, I think is big as far as is making sure that we're being very conscientious of how we're communicating, because I think that's kind of where it starts when it comes to conflict. I think in general, people tend to, we think of ourselves more highly than we should. I think that we think that we're better communicators than what we are and that we're conveying the message that what we think we are. And we need, we need to have a lot of you know self-reflection to, to truly check to see if that's the case, because if that message is not being received, well, that can be the, 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 the enhancer or the starter of conflict right there. So just, Things like that, um, I think, are are all various things that that people can kind of start to to think about and work on to 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 be more intentional about how we choose to engage with someone that maybe is quite different in conflict than we are. As uh, as we begin to wrap up, uh, a question for you. And I, I don't I, want to wrap up yet. I've just gotten started. This is uh, fascinating. Yeah, I know. I um. <laughs> Well, you know, we got to have Aaron back for the smoking jacket fifth. Oh, good. Fifth interview. I, well, let me let me let me hijack. I'm going to hijack before you before you force me to not. Okay, because I'm going to do a questions. left field question and, and like you do, but go for it. Oh, okay. Well, then I I'll, I just want to I just want to ask is just out of curiosity because you said there are different you know people respond you know and, and deal with conflict differently. Have you noticed that any? research or discussions or anything like that i could hear i can hear it you know not rhetorically um you know i'm too old to deal with this do you see that that there are potential generational challenges or is it is you know it is that all you know smoke and mirrors or i think that that is that's a good question i think that the, what i found is that um like in a lot of cases, if we're, if we're using age as a as a as a different differentiator when it comes to conflict, in this case, I th think that that is um, a crutch that I think people tend to rely on is that I'm I'm set in my ways, and really I think what that comes down to just in general is is maybe not being fully at a point yet of willingness to, as we say, kind of engage with the other person, engage in the process because there's still something that's inhibiting them from wanting to do it. And I think that that, that is, because in the end, I think people just in general, there can be some hesitation about being in a vulnerable state with somebody else about, about yeah. divulging yeah. And, and, and expressing what our interests are once we discover what they are to somebody else, because that puts us in a, like I said, somewhat of a compromising position. And that might be just what people say. So they don't, this, uh, in that sense, they can avoid being in the process of conflict, you know? So I think that that, that again is something that um, people need to make the conscientious choice that this is something that is worth the effort and worth the time. And I would argue that that's a, I'll, I'll use that as my segue to you, Jason, but I just, I, for folks that are listening, whether it's at the table, whether it's with mm -hmm. partners, family, friends, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, I think there have to be discussions about conflict. Mm -hmm. You know, conflict mm -hmm. exists and all we're doing, you've been saying this, I'm just, I'm, I'm plagiarizing in effect, both of you and you, Aaron, is, you know, instead of just going head to head all the time, time to do some introspection and evaluation. And what's the best way to get to the right solution? And I know from a business world, and I'm saying this generally, not with any 
particular past history or anything like that. You know, just generally speaking, there is a lack of understanding on on and knowing that conflict creates opportunity. One, what you're really kind of drilling down to, Brad, I think you really hit on something big. You're absolutely right. Is that you're really talking about meta communication, you know, communicating yeah. about communication, you know, about why why these things are important to us. And I think that that doesn't happen often enough. So, well, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I know that in, in hearing, you know, when we, when we talked with them prior, um, you know, there's already talk potentially of another volume. And so I would tell folks. So for everybody, since we're yeah, I'm, hold podcast, on, I'm going to get, to, I'm going to get okay, there. Just check I'm it. Holding, as you're I'm holding, holding the book up, up in the air. <laughs> I'm holding it up for you both to illustrate. And now I'm going to say, All right. there is, thank you. Um, Star Wars and Conflict Resolution. Yeah. There are alternatives to fighting. It's edited by um, Noam Abner and Jen Reynolds, and it is published by DRI Press. Mm -hmm. If I remember correctly, I picked it on Amazon. It was fifteen bucks. Yeah, it's a yep. steal. It's a steal. And and for me, I read. Jason knows this. I read a lot about business ethics. That was my mm -hmm. focus area when I got my MBA. Yep. As a result of that. You know, then I got into the discussions around empathy and compassion and business. And thanks to me being able to connect with you, it now has kind of parlayed into an interest about yeah. how to deal with conflict, you know, and from a layman's perspective. So I would recommend, you know, and I'm again, I'm not I'm not part of this and I'm not getting paid to do this. And I didn't stay at Hollywood Express last night. I would argue, you know, if you're looking for a book and you're interested in conflict, there's a lot of stuff out there. I get it. But this one was a really cool way for me to look at this. And it's a diverse, it's a reader, in effect. Lots you know? of short chapters from yes. a truly diverse range of authors. There are just so many perspectives. And and that's what's key is that you're getting you're getting lots of different ideas and different angles. And mm. that's what really, independent of the Star Wars stuff, I'll be perfectly yeah. honest with you. Yeah. That's what really attracted me to. But nonetheless, Star Wars is a very fun backdrop, though, to use for this. No dispute whatsoever. I no. I personally, yeah. I think, I, I don't think Han shot first, but... Um, don't that you really? Said, Kidding. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna have to reevaluate our friendship on that one. I'm kidding. I'm talk about conflict. I am I am creating conflict. Yes, you are. Yeah, that's really that's really what you're known for in the group, actually. But oh, actually, yeah, it is. It I, is actually yeah. until I until I turned forty and got out of puberty, I was known for the one that created conflict. Yeah, so, that's the, I mean, the you, you think I'm, I'm not kidding? Touch, he thinks but, I'm. He no, I'm kidding, I, I think it's cute that you said until you turn 40, but okay. but that's fine. I mean, yeah, we'll just say the last nine years. I'm giving you the number one salute. Yeah, right you there. are. All right. Okay. Uh, that's right, Jason. You were going to, you were going to ask. Me no, actually, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask the question. I'm going to save it for next time. Cause this is cause, cause I like where we are. This is such a good, a good note on which to close. I don't want to take us off base. There's, there are more conversations coming. Um, well, can I, I ask you I both a quick really question? Good. And maybe Aaron yeah. and then Jason, just as we go, you're working on a book right now, independent yeah. of this. Yeah, totally. Are you are you going to be talking about, and it's about leadership and the grand mm -hmm. captains, are you going to be, is conflict going to be a theme or a discussion in the book? That was kind of part of what I brought into it, but yeah, it, okay. it's, I think it's kind of interwoven into it. There's, That's there's what I've heard. Uh, 
particularly as it relates to the three traits of communication, patience, and relationship. But it it kind of because we see all of those traits with Jason. Yeah, you want to? Oh no, I was just why why I bring it up is if if people go and read something like this or have an interest in conflict, and then they go and read your book when it comes out. I'm thinking late. What is it later this year or early next year? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we're, Um, saying this year. Yeah. Yep. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna see the idea of they're gonna kind of see it interwoven, is what you're saying. Yeah, I, so, think, I, I think that's fair because we, we've really. We've sorry, tried... I, that's a left field question. No, no, I, you know, I, I think we both. It's not the, the main direction. focal point of right. the book, right? But, but it's there. We couldn't ignore the fact yeah. at times. And that's where I think I brought it in, sir. Yeah. That that there's definitely a connection in certain spots where I think people would pick up on it. And I'm, so. I'm trying to, th- and I'm just blocking. I'd have to look at, I have to pull the outline behind me, but uh, we have at least one case study. I think we have at least one case study directly targeted around conflict. Certainly there are multiple that are, uh, more than adjacent, but relevant. But you know, there are more than forty case studies in the book. So yeah. I mean, we tried to, we really tried to cover as much as, as, as was reasonable. But yeah, it's it would make sense. It would it would one will inform the other. But so too, I mean, I think Star Wars and Star Trek, um, they take very different approaches to conflict by mm. their nature, and and that can be very complementary. Right to hop across multiple franchises, canons, genres, and see how how they handle these things. That's again, it's it's you know, like you said, Brad, with the with the with the edited volume, it's exposing ourselves to more perspectives on the same thing. Yeah, and I like you were talking about earlier. I nowadays people don't want to learn about other perspectives. I find. And I'll be honest with you, I never, I didn't think that way until I met folks like you, yeah, right. who introduced me to that idea. That was just, it was culturally. I'm here in the Midwest. It was culturally yeah. something that didn't. Work. Aaron, Dr. Aaron Peterson, thank you so much. Jason's going to hit pause on the record here in a minute so that I can create some further conflict off the record. There it is. And um, so good to have will, you back. Yeah, we will. We will definitely um, have you back because there are a lot of other questions. I would love to. The plan is to introduce Aaron to some tabletop games. Well, I have and, been seeding him yes, with some starter yeah. material of multiple and, games. And I think I think that would probably be a good time after we do some of that to have you back on, because then we can probably have a little segue into conflict at the table as well. That would probably make so, sense, yeah. Yeah. Which means yet, as a which means as a GM we have to play. Yeah, as a GM, I'm gonna have to find some, some really unique conflict to put a, you know, to introduce you both to. As long as, and, and we'll see how that plays out. So, but thank you. Thank you so much again. Thank you very much. You know, I, I appreciate it. I'm glad to have been introduced to you through Jason and I'm looking forward to more discussions. No pleasure's been mine. I appreciate it. People don't even know to talk about conflict. Mm -hmm. People talk about conflict in the context of another discussion. We have a conflict over the budget. We have a conflict over this process. We have a conflict over who's unloading the dishwasher. Yep. No one has a discussion about, let's have a discussion about how we handle conflict. We have a conflict about talking about conflict. Yeah. Yeah. The meta discussion. Is that yeah. if I remember correctly? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the 
you know, there was so much I could take away from it, but that's the big one is it would be interesting to see how a company or an organization or a family or a marriage or a friendship or anything would change if you just had that discussion. Well, and I think, I mean, you and I talk a lot about this off air, obviously. I And so you know, I think, how biased I'm about this. But I think Aaron touched on something. He just touched on it, and we didn't follow up because we were going in a different direction in the moment. But I think part of what you're talking about is the the need for humility in our oh, interactions with one another. Well and, said, yes. Well, I just think, I mean, I mean to, yes. to be candid, I mean, Aaron and I are working on a second book specifically on the need for humility, right? In this case, leadership. But still, I think it's hard to engage people. It's hard to engage people, especially in meaningful conflict, if there isn't just some modicum of humility where there's a recognition that I might be wrong and you might be wrong. Yeah, and I think, and, and this is a slippery slope, so I don't want to, um, I'll just, I'm going to leave this kind of out there as a, as a hanging thread, but um, in the business world, having these type of discussions, how do we address conflict? I'm arguing, especially in publicly held companies or even private, even private companies where you're dealing with, with, you know, high flowing capital, it doesn't, there isn't a line of sight on it generating revenue. So mm -hmm. why are we having a discussion about mm -hmm. this? Let's talk about what we need to do to further the company's bottom line. And that right. sounds mercenary and it isn't always that black and white, but still, but, but still people don't necessarily feel the need to talk about how to talk about something because then it goes back to this idea of mm -hmm. um why are we having meetings about meetings about meetings right. and that's an incorrect an absolutely incorrect position yeah so. it, it it brings me back to our wonderful yet sadly lost discussion with noam ebner and jen reynolds um, how that happen uh, uh, weird that, uh, yeah. of how uh, <laughs> something Jen brought up about how there is a meeting science. I Literally, didn't bring that up. Yes, we, we didn't. Uh, but they, she brought that up, and 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 I'm still, I'm still taken with that. Um, how how this? I mean, we we need to we need to do some work around this. Seriously, some research on this. But there really is a meeting science as a field yes. of study and and i just i can't help but go there with what you're saying because so much of it so much of it um seems to apply um well, to, it absolutely oh, does it absolutely does but yeah that's another that's that's a that would be boy that would be really off the uh, or outside of the box from the yeah. podcast perspective but that would be a fascinating yeah it, it would be an interesting one so you know stay tuned to dice in mind all meetings all the time. <laughs> um, uh, you know, to, to bring it back, but just seriously, to bring it before we before we transition again, to bring it to uh, role playing games, um, I can't help but think about the number one source of conflict at the table, which is often between the GM and the players, especially yep. depending on on um, you know kind of the the attitude and and as well the game right of 
of okay you know to me a good gm is someone who wants to both give their players a great story and a lot of fun and stick it to them along the way all in the joy of the game right but, they, yeah. but that doesn't don't, always work don't take the joy out of the game because then there won't be a game um but on the flip side um you will have and i'm just i'm hearkening back to the recent episodes i watched of vox machina where uh player on player conflict yeah yeah can actually drive the story forward as well and yeah. how as a gm or dm do you want to craft conflict see there's your between, conflict engagement yeah yeah do you want to create conflict between two people sitting at the table their characters yes you know and yes. and this goes into behavioral stuff as well outside of my knowledge you know can you do that without creating conflict for the actual people sitting at the table? Can you and I, can you and I generate, this is really abstract. Can you and I yeah. generate a full conflict between our two characters and not have it bleed over to argue an argument or something well, well, between or, us, you know, or just let's, let's not go the direction of argument, but, but could we do that? where there's conflict between our characters but neither of us personally experiences that conflict with one another um i think i think most people the answer is going to be no it can't be separated however that doesn't have to be an issue if the conflict between the the players is really minor right like in the in in, in just for the sake of the sport if you will you're talking within the story now. Within the story, right? Well, no, I'm saying if the I think if if the GM sets up real conflict among the PCs, the player characters, some of that is necessarily going to bleed over to the players at the table, but that doesn't have to be a problem. That can be manageable. That could even be utilized. Again, going back to this notion of co you know conflict engagement, even stoking the fire a bit. So like if if we were players at a table and you know and scott or brian or eric were were gming well not eric he's never played but you know we're we want to oh eric could be eric eric could be uh eric could be a he'd be an hilarious and we just GM, don't actually. know yeah we just what we just don't know Maybe right is. right but so and then he creates one of them creates conflict between our our characters in game would that is, is it psychologically possible for that not to bleed over a bit I think all but the most psychologically savvy developed people are going to experience a little bit of that, but I don't see that as an inherent problem. If anything, it could be make, it could make, make it more fun sitting at the table. Like, well, that's what, you know, I, yeah. You, you know what I, you know what I think about what I, and, and it's funny that here's, here's, here's an outlier is I'm thinking about player on player conflict and how it could affect the characters but not the actual players is yeah. like if our friends at mythic thunderloop are working on an episode they right. may be engineering that conflict mm -hmm. for the sake of that episode in their yeah. adventure but they aren't necessarily conflicted as the two people outside i and i think okay so i think in that case that that example brings to the fore that if if the players not the characters if the players all perceive a sense of autonomy in 
their actions, if they all perceive a degree of, of authorship in this adventure and in this conflict, then in that case, I mean, big time. That's a different, that's a yeah. different thing where in effect, they have line of sight on the story. Yeah. And, but, or, you know, or at least are being asked kind of like take the Genesis narrative dice system, right? We never did it this way, but the mechanic is designed such that when, uh, when someone rolls an advantage or disadvantage, actually the player is supposed to weigh in on what they'd like that to be. Well, that, that can be done to some extent at any table with any gamer mechanic. And I mean, kudos to you, because I think like what you're bringing up, that changes the whole dynamic. Now everybody is engaged with moving the story forward through conflict, and, 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 and no one's ego is going to get bruised. Last question, and then we'll turn it over and we'll head over to the, to the, the GM, GM corner. corner. But but then the question is, as we are working on our projects within the age system, yeah. 3D6 age system, yep. and we're working on our adventures, yep. um, you know, kind of an abstract question, what do we want the conflict to be? It's an answer that we will talk about offline, but, Interesting. but, mm -hmm. but think about it. What do we want? Because we're using the age mechanic in multiple ways, and multiple we're work, we're working on something larger, and then we're we're running some work with the age system for our, to learn it. Mm -hmm. What do we want that conflict to be, and how do we want that to affect those involved? It's funny now that we've talked about all this and having Aaron on it and everything, because now even it, for me as a yeah. as someone who's writing and world building and you. Yeah. Now conflict becomes that's which it should be for good storytelling, right? Yes. But we've never okay. Yeah, we will talk about this much more offline. It uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is your one of your early ideas with what we're working on. Again, just for us, but what what one of your early ideas of maybe having some adventures where there's essentially a mystery to be solved. There's yeah. something I I can see how that would fit really not now I'm now I'm curious now I'm, yeah we'll yeah talk see about now it's more. that's yeah. it'll be interesting as we continue to write. Why don't we head over now to the GM corner? And I'm curious because you wouldn't tell me beforehand, so we're going into this. I'm not sure what you're going to talk about. But what's on your desk or what's um, what's on your mind lately? Yeah, more on my mind, and it's actually something, Brad. You and I have talked about and um texted a lot about for well as this as this episode drops for a solid month days short of a of a month uh i bring it up now because there's been a little distance from it for everyone in the rpg community and we just spent some wonderful time talking with Dr. Aaron Peterson about conflict and its engagement and its potential. I know where you're going. Well played. Yeah, thank you. You do. I want to bring up what's on my mind, which is uh, uh, the recent, shall we say, decisions made by Wizards of the Coast mm -hmm. around their OGL, their open gaming license, their initial announcement, and, and I, we don't have to rehash it here in any detail because probably anyone listening to the podcast is aware of this, but the two-bit elevator speech version is 
uh, Wizards of the Coast announced they were going to essentially do away with the open gaming license, uh, it basically charge the larger companies for the rights, and then everyone will be happy. And um, people that did were not, happy. People, people were not were happy. happy. Yeah. I just just hours ago, as we record, I was reading an article on Gizmodo. Uh, re they reached out to a number of uh, smaller publishers. I mean, compared to Wizards, everyone's a smaller publisher. But they reached out not just to Paizo, but to um, you know people we know, friend friends of the podcast, um, Modifius, Green Ronin, some of the others, and they all responded that since that OGL announcement, uh, their sales doubled or tripled online in print etc um some of them having record sales and downloads uh for like the past 20 years yeah i may have i, I was just gonna say i may have missed it but just a, a i thought i saw on paizo's website that the second edition core rulebook had sold out and they were waiting See? for a new shipment and i think the shipment was supposed to come in at the end of last month yep um at the end of January, but they had sold out. I know. I, I don't, I, I believe, I, I believe you. I think that's, that's incredible. That's kind of wonderful. Um, I, I know in the Gizmodo article, uh, at least one company, I don't remember who it was offhand. Uh, exactly. Had said that they couldn't keep up with demand. They just, there were going to be delays. Anyways, that's, what's been on my mind. And I think it's relevant to conflict because, you know, one major publisher, right? The really big one, obviously. They made a decision. They broadcast. Actually, it it leaked, and then they broadcast it. Brad's trying to generate conflict right now on the <laughs> screen, but we won't indulge him. Uh, and so, so it provided the opportunity, truly, for some serious conflict engagement and the rpg community at the level of the publishers um you know not just paizo but everyone else including lots and lots and lots of the little independents they just ran in to fill the gap and of course many 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 people canceled their their um dnd beyond memberships etc and i don't bring this up brad to get into it so much as to just demonstrate you know lately in the rpg world um globally conflict has been center stage no one's really writing about it like that or talking about it like that but that's exactly what we're seeing and we're seeing a response by paizo and some of the others to truly engage with this well, situation. you could even. I think that's cool. You could argue. And you can argue. I mean, we have friends. We we know folks from all the companies. We've had people on. Yeah. From you know our you know from all the different groups. So I'm. We don't have a leg in the game other than no, being no. Air, airport end users and fans yep. of products. Yeah. So we're not publishers. We sit we sit back and we watch this and yep. you know you and I discuss it. Yep. Um, I would like. We both want to see what's best for the community. Yep. Um, yeah, no judgment here. No, 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 none at all. And and again, I'm not. I just don't. I don't feel like one additional voice, one way or the other, is going to make a difference in this arena. I am mm. fascinated by the discussion itself. Yes, um, so true. And there are a lot of good companies out there. You have Free Elegant or Free League Publishing mm -hmm. overseas. You have, like you said, Modipius Green Ronin mm -hmm. Edge Studio. You have Chaosium, Evil um, Hat. 
evil hat there's yep. and and we're we're only hitting and i apologize to a lot of them we're not yeah. we're i'm not intentionally missing anyone no, no. Being is i think this might have for better or worse hopefully in many ways this could be a pot there could be some positive outcomes from this wizards has Already changed their, yeah, yeah the wizards has changed their stance yep yep we have seen uh business and visibility grow for products like you just said from the Gizmodo yep. article um you and i are working on stuff related to green ronin's 3d6 system the yes system, yep wonderful which system. was completely independent of what was going on oh yeah yeah but we're fascinated by mechanics galore yep so yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating and interesting discussion and story to follow mm -hmm. i re i really honestly don't necessarily have a strong opinion on any of it and i'm not trying to dodge it it's just no. i haven't i have i'm just i'm reading it so much as a from an end user perspective that i yeah. haven't dug into a point where i feel like i need to formulate an opinion well and i think you know you and i have always been uh thoughtful in terms of how we approach some issues because this is a podcast where we want we want people to feel welcome listening being part of the audience being part of the community being part of 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 of, of the family of dyson mind if you will and um and the fact is you know it it really looks like the community the the community with the industry is is engaging it's regulating itself you know do mm -hmm. i do i like what wizards initially put out no do i respect the um ultimate recant and explanation by their their lead um you know about a week later i i have to right it mm -hmm. it, it was open and transparent like you said and so i'm just like you said i find it fascinating that this happened in the industry from really the 600 pound gorilla yep and there was such an overwhelming response that the that the industry and the community engaged with the conflict to tie it back it wasn't about so much resolving it wasn't merely management it wasn't just a complainer to fight but immediately solutions were being offered yes and um that that's pretty cool i mean that's pretty cool so what what's uh what's what else is going on in your mind or on your desk i think you know you and i are working on some side projects um related to the Dyson Mind brand. Yep. Um, I'm in a, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, I'm in a job transition. So I'm, I am on one hand, busy enjoying some, some time where I can get up much later than I normally would yeah. and enjoy the day. Um, but I've had to kind of re reacclimate myself to structure because otherwise I'm mm -hmm. all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, so those projects, we have some writing stuff that we're doing, that we're working on gaming and for the brand. And then I have to reach back out to our friend Scott. Scott has been anxious to get gaming again. Scott, if you happen to be listening to this. I want a game. Yeah, I, I will have probably talked to you by this point. And if I haven't, then I'm really a terrible person. Um, Those are independent. Yeah, I know, but I'm okay. Let's just for the sake of the discussion. Okay, sorry, this, yeah, for the, this, let's engage this, with it. In yeah, this in this microcosm, let's just go with them being being not yeah. mutually not mutually exclusive. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um I picked up there's two games that I've been playing. 
focusing on outside of the age system uh-huh. that I've been fascinating on. One I've told you about that I found online. Um, uh, it's published by Andrews McNeil Publishing. It's and it's going to depend on who you talk to. I I'm hearing it as Zweihander. I've yeah. also heard people call it Zweihander. Yeah, and it is a D100 mechanic RPG. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it has one of the I have to say most robust core rulebooks oh. I have ever see yeah you were, and hold, I, hold it up to the screen for a sec here yeah yeah so, so you what you all can't see here is, i'll give you i'll give oh, you yeah i'll give you you know what this book is right now, the okay. modern age basic rule book it's a beautiful yeah, thing i'm gonna give you a oh i mean so so the the zweihander which has an umlaut that's important the zweihander that's that's for three times readers. the size it's three yeah. times the size I mean, of the modern age book. it's literally like an inch and a half tall of a book yeah. like like it's that's a tome yeah yeah so i've i've been digging into that and then the other one that i've been digging into um and there's a reason behind it because you and i've talked about this is RuneQuest. now RuneQuest yeah. is a granddaddy rpg it's been around since around the same time as original yeah D came out and um what fascinated me by this is greg stafford's world building efforts around Glorantha. And it wasn't so much the game itself that yeah, got me, because yeah. as much as I'm fascinated by the game, I am on game overload and I have to focus myself. Oh, I know there's um, so much. I know. But the amount of effort and work, I have the two volume guide to Glorantha. It's two volumes. These are like coffee table book volumes of material. Um, it's just the history of it. The history of RuneQuest, the game as it gone, went from Chaosium to yeah. Avalon Hill, back to Chaosium, Mongoose published something. It's just a fascinating story of the RPG Seriously. and how it's come back to Chaosium before uh, Greg Stafford passed. They came out, the latest version is, um, you'll see it, call it, um, uh, What is, I want to get the exact terminology, it's uh, RuneQuest, Role playing in Glorantha, so it, it is. My God, um, RQRG is what the initial abbreviation is for it. So, those are the things that that I've been focusing on from an RPG perspective. The only other one I'll mention is um, there is a book that came out in the early '90s that had a real cult following from at the time TSR. Okay. TSR took all of the original D and D, O D and D. Basic expert companion master series the four, okay, um, BECG BECM, and put them in and created what was called the rules cyclopedia. Oh man! And it was a one volume tome covering all. Of it. Didn't cover yeah. the immortals, the post level thirty six. Uh, the post level thirty six. Oh my yeah. god! Okay. But um, drive through RPG. You had the ability. You can you can do a um order to print nice yeah that's that's great so i ordered the hardcover version of it yeah um, and i'll get into that at some point Ugh. um because i that's that brings back memories for me playing yeah. it originally as a as you know an early t- what do they call them a teenager is that what they're yeah, called yeah tween yeah tween mm-hmm. um so i have that it came in around the time that 
I, I started to need to do some work related to job. So it's been sitting there oh. with everything else we have going on. But that's that's really it for me. Really the biggest that's focus it. right now is um, you and I are, I'll, I'll give it away. You and I yeah, are working please. on- It's time. Um, on launching a blog. Yep. Launching and, a legit website with a blog. Yes, yes, with a blog. We are taking our time with this. Yep. Um, because- we want to, we're taking our time with it. Like we took our time launching. With the, yep. That's right. And so it's taking a little bit. I have some writing that I'm behind on, but have been working on. The blog is out there hidden um, because we're working on our, yep. our theme and UI. Jason and I yep. are very aligned in terms of yeah, we what are. we want yep. it to look like. Yes. And the point of our site, there's so much good material out there. Um, but what we really want is we want a site that drives you to the content. Yes. And not have the UX, the user experience. Get in the, in way. the way. And we want we want you to think. I mean, we'll, we'll be talking a lot more about this in the episodes to come as we're getting close to debuting it. It's a ways off yet. But I think... For, for us, Brad, it's as much as anything, the blog is an opportunity for us to dive more deeply into those topics that interest us that just go beyond or don't quite make for good interviews, right? Um, yeah. uh, like, I mean, how many episodes have we had riffing or with others on world building and yet there's so much more we want to talk oh, about and write about um so so like for example i mean some of the earliest posts are going to be are us writing about world building ideas for that etc and then other things like like uh belief and how that mm -hmm. can manifest in role playing or in our favorite canons um we just you you know I'm going to be writing about belief in Star Trek oh. and and the ways that the franchise has tried to handle that by approaching, acknowledging, and or dancing around it. Mm -hmm. And and I'll be honest, you know, I've done a lot. Let me rephrase that. I did a lot of academic writing back when I was in my studies. Um, don't do that now. Most of my writing these days is professional and orientation due to work. So I'm stretching my wings a little bit. Luckily, I have a partner who is um, a phenomenal writer and writes I didn't regularly. know Angela could write. I'm not talking about Angela. Okay. So Stop calling me your partner. Okay. Now we've just now we've just sent it into the explicit territory. That's right. Time, yeah. to, time to tag it. My podcast partner. <laughs> that better? Yeah. My no, so we we should we should clarify my, my pp yeah that, let's let's no more talking we should clarify <laughs> that that we will not be writing for an academic audience that sounds awful no but but no, we, we want to we want to go deep yeah but 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 i mean we're in but we're writing alignment. we're not yeah. we're writing nonfiction. is in effect oh, what we're doing yeah we're doing we, we want to dive are, deep yeah we want to dive deep into topics that mm -hmm. fascinate us and hopefully we'll find interest with you yeah. Um, and we stretch that doing that on the show. You know, we've stretched yep. out of just talking about dice mechanics and all that. We talk with creatives. Yep. We're talking conflict resolution. Yep. We There's themes, though, and everything we believe we've talked about relates back in some form yep. or another 
to being at the table. Yes. Which is why our Everything. our mantra hasn't changed. And you're never going to see listicles and you're never going to see top tens. That's not going to be our shtick. There are too many places, too many blogs that do it really well already much we, better than us yes. much better than us we we're uh, we aren't out there to compete with anyone we see a niche uh where people are interested to 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 read about and think about these really funky cool aspects of role playing or real life as they intersect and you just can't get that anywhere reliably that's what we're going to be doing yeah absolutely yeah. you got it so yeah. that's that's where we're at. So that's the writing projects and the work that we're doing outside. That's where my, that's where I ended up, you know, dive deep into RuneQuest and Glorantha's this research and reading I'm doing on world building. Yep. Yep. So. All right, everybody, you know, the deal. Thanks as always for being with us. Be well, stay well. We will see you in two weeks. 